Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. Am I just talking to myself? This backseat is lonely. And I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, your mechanic. In the driver's seat, we have you, our loyal listener, taking us on a solo road trip this week. Today's quote is by Eleanor Brown. Rest and self-care are so important. When you take time to replenish your spirit, it allows you to serve others from the overflow. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. Last week, we answered a few questions from our listeners. This week, we're starting a new focus, you. Kim, can you start us off? What does self-care really mean? Well, kind of like what it says, self-care is taking care of yourself. I, Done. Right? There we go. Problem solved. Episode over. <laughs> really short one, listeners. It's for all of our people who suffer with the attention span. Uh, no. So self-care is taking care of yourself. Often I hear people saying that self-care is selfish, but there's a very big difference between these two things. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Want me to take it from there? Dr. Don, what is the difference between self-care and selfishness? So self-care is taking care of yourself. Selfishness is where you get your needs met at the expense of another person. So often selfishness is applied to folks um, around the idea that somehow um, taking care of yourself is selfish but you wouldn't say that about eating, right? If you're hungry, you need food and you would go and find food so that you had enough energy to deal with somebody else. If you were exhausted, you would get sleep. When it comes to physical things, we seem to understand that self-care is really pretty straightforward. When it comes to emotional things, this is where people start using the label selfish. An interesting kind of flipped perspective that I offer people who talk to, talk to me about this is that it, it's actually kind of selfish to not do self-care because you're depriving others of your true and full self. Um, by not taking care of yourself, you're inherently pushing your emotions, your overwhelmedness <laughs> onto other people. You're not taking care of the experience that you're having within your own body, that being your mind, your soul, whatever aspects of self that are being overwhelmed and it rubs off on other people. When you're tired, you tend to be a lot more snippy. Uh, you tend to be a lot more dismissive of each other. Um, when you're hungry, I mean, we've all heard of the term hangry and I mean, I know I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, I get really mean when I'm super hungry. Uh, all of this is aspects of self-care. And like Don just said, it's really easy when it's a physical thing, but when we're talking about being emotionally drained, when you're just having a bad day and you're sad and you need space, 
if you actually don't give yourself space, you become more of a challenge for other people. It's harder to relate with you. It's harder to be in conversation and in the same space as you when you are giving off emotionally charged energy that is your essence. Hmm. Essence. It's your true self screaming for time for itself to take care of itself. Sorry, Ben. I know that was a weird phrase. I hate it when my true self screams. Well, you you listen to it when it does scream. I mean, there are a lot of people who go into the burnout phase where they can't ignore that any longer and they are forced to take a break. Hmm. They're forced to address the fact that something within them is askew. Sure. And, and we understand maintenance. Um, when it's like vehicles or that kind of stuff. No one would say, I'm going to continue to drive my car and never change the oil because they realize that their car is going to seize up and it won't be functional. When we apply that to self, that I really do need to change my oil. I need to do whatever it is that rejuvenates me or helps me to continue going. Somehow that gets the label of selfish, but it's really just self-care. Selfishness comes when you're getting your needs met at the expense of another. Kim, you talked kind of broadly about, well, both of you, both of you talked pretty broadly about physical and emotional care. And Papa, you kind of helped define the difference between selfishness and self-care as a lot of times we see physical self-care as fine. That's what needs to be done. But emotional self-care we tend to see as selfish. Are there only two types of self-care or what other types of self-care are there? All right. So this is where it gets a little bit flexible. There's not really a distinctive scholarly statement that says there are this many types of self-care. However, there is a blog that I follow called Tulip and Sage, and they do talk about self-care and they mention six types. So you have physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, and sensory. And sensory plays a lot into the physical aspect. Most people are pretty familiar with the concept of physical self-care. So that's exercise, eating well, drinking more water, stretching, paying attention to your somatic experience, the experience within your body. Emotional self-care is allowing yourself to be in tune with your own emotions. I always say that if you feel like you need to cry, go do it. That's emotional self-care is paying attention to what your body is saying and following through with your emotional connection. A lot of people will journal, they'll do meditation, they'll do some sort of creativity and art. A really cool technique um, as you start to build an emotional self-care practice can be having a gratitude journal because then on days when you're not feeling super grateful or you're just having kind of a blech day, you can go back and look at all of these different things that you've tracked over time that bring you joy. And they don't have to be anything super world changing. It can be as simple as I saw a really pretty red leaf on the sidewalk today and it made me smile. In the fall, that's like 90% of my gratitude journal because I really like red red leaves. Emotional self-care is also challenging your own negative self-talk. We tend to have 
a pretty negative discourse with ourselves. Uh, so when we talk about ourselves, and especially what I hear in my therapy office is, I'm broken, I'm helpless, I'm lonely, I'm depressed. All of these statements that are creating a definition of who you are, when that's not the only things that you are. I'm also a creative person. You're also an intelligent person. You are a hard worker. You're all of these different things. So recognizing when we are using negative self-talk and how can we change it? What can we use instead of I'm broken to describe ourselves in a more positive light or in a light that is projecting growth? So that's your emotional self-care. Spiritual self-care can be religious. It can also be kind of more broad than that. And it's just your connection to the universe. A lot of this can be meditation. (laughs) Everyone is always like, self-care, meditate. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, fair. That is a pretty good self-care thing is taking time to become in tune with yourself and that, that of the world around you. There's a lot of different types of meditation. That's what I was going to say. I don't actively meditate, but that I've learned from other people I've talked to. When I think of meditation, I tend to think like, oh, you got to spend like a whole hour sitting there quietly and like thinking, but it can be just a couple minutes of deep breathing. Exactly. And that is kind of a thing I do. I just wouldn't necessarily have thought of it as meditation. And that's the early level of meditation. When you get into a meditative practice, you have a goal that you're seeking a way of understanding your world and organizing how you react and behave in the world. That's a a much deeper level of meditation. So there are lots of levels and learning about them is, is the key thing. Just not like, Oh, meditation is sleep. That's, that's not it. Mm. We're just sitting quietly. That's not it either. And meditation is what you make it. So there are a ton of different levels of meditation you do not have to become some super amazing meditation expert. If spending three minutes taking a couple of breaths and stretching your body is what makes you feel centered, awesome. There's your meditation. You can do walking meditations. So if you take a walk, instead of you know listening to music for three to five minutes, just pay attention to what your body is doing while you walk. What are you hearing around you? Are the birds singing? Can you hear water? Is it just traffic? What does it feel like to have your feet on the ground? Are your shoes fitting well? Is toast pulling your arm off? <laughs> what Taking time to be in tune with the existence that you have. Time in nature is another great spiritual self-care. That's one of my favorites. And that can be as simple as sitting outside and feeling the sun on your skin and just paying attention to that. And then when it feels like it's starting to burn, going inside. (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention to that, wear sunblock. If you want to find more of a connection, if the internal experience isn't fulfilling to you, find your connection to your community. Experiencing it right now, most likely virtually, but you know, exploring what connections you can create. If you do have a religious practice, sometimes your spiritual self-care is praying or finding a connection to your larger spirit. On to intellectual self-care. 
intellectual self-care is focused on developing the mind and exploring knowledge. This is reading, learning new languages, and then can be broader than that. So discussing topics with family and friends, sharing things that you're incredibly passionate about with these people. It doesn't necessarily, and I wouldn't suggest it be, a discourse about hot button issues. Make it something that you're truly passionate about. When I want to do some intellectual self-care, I will talk to people about sharks because I really like sharks and I like sharing new information about it. And it doesn't have any of that heavy social expectation. No one's going to be like, screw you and your sharks. Well, most of my friends are not going to be like, screw you and your sharks. And no one's really going to challenge my updated information about shark science. I mean, sometimes they do. And then I get to share them, share with them all of the cool things I find on the NOAA website. But anyway, again. She's geeking out. Sorry, I really like sharks. Next week, join us for the Relationship Road Trip Shark Week. (laughs) Shark addiction. (laughs) So intellectual self-care and engaging in conversations about topics that make you happy, topics that fulfill you. You can also write and writing about things, even if it is just kind of a, a word dump, as I call it, or train of thought writing where you just write what's in your brain all at once. Well, I guess word by word, but, and if you're looking for something a little bit more passive, but not really watching a documentary. So that's easier for some people than reading, but that is another form of intellectual self-care is watching documentaries specifically about things that you enjoy. Don't watch a documentary about something that you're really sensitive about. So if you're sensitive about your weight, don't watch a documentary about, you know, weight gain or losing weight or how to eat. But if you like to dance, watch a documentary about dancing. So being cognizant of what you're bringing in as far as intellectual self-care, um, you don't have, or I, the, intellectual self-care does not include reading or engaging in education about a subject that you already feel really stressed or sore about. So weight loss, intellectual self-care is not reading books about that. Intellectual self-care is engaging in some form of release and relief. Yeah. Maybe if you're uh, stressed out about work, don't go watch a documentary about the same subjects that your work is involved in. Exactly. Unless that is refreshing to you, but that seems unlikely if you're feeling burned out about it. Correct. It's interesting to me that so far, a lot of these types of self-care line up pretty closely to not the love languages, but the areas of intimacy, I think. Yeah. With your, with your significant other or with a partner. Yes. There was physical and emotional and spiritual and intellectual, Yep. I believe, or all of those. So that's really interesting. The ways that you can care for your relationship with your significant other overlap with the ways that you can care for your relationship with yourself. Guess what? At the beginning and end of all of this, you're in an intimate relationship with yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it is mind blowing because it, it begins the whole process of being able to connect to other people. So the more that you 
are aware of and connect to yourself, the more available you are to connect to others. Hmm. Onward and upward. The next realm of self-care is social self-care. So this exists for both introverts and extroverts. I know my introverts over there are like, I don't need social self-care. My social self-care is running away and taking time to myself over here. And yes, that is true. Recognize when your social battery is overwhelmed and you need to go take time alone. And introverts still need connection with others. It's just in smaller groups than extroverts tend to need. This is really just spending quality time with people that you enjoy who don't bring you intense amounts of stress or require or expect some form of quid pro quo. Yeah. Having friends that allow you to have low key connections. So I have a group of friends that without COVID, I could invite over to just watch a movie without the expectation of going out to dinner or going out and doing this big event. It's more of that simple, we can do something quiet and private, just us. So that's more on the introvert end of creating and cultivating friendships that don't have to be big events or take a lot of social energy. It's more focused on your connection with that one individual. As I just mentioned, this is really hard right now because of this thing called COVID. It's become more challenging, but we've also gotten more creative in our ways to connect with others. Figuring out what works for you, whether that be a video chat of some kind, whether if it's just texting. If you like to game, get online and game together. If you feel comfortable enough to do it, backyard barbecues, some form of socially distanced gathering, whatever you feel comfortable with, but understanding that there is social self-care and we as humans are social creatures and do need some form of connection with other. Lastly, we have sensory self-care. So this goes pretty strongly into physical self-care, but expands to your other senses as well. So this is activities that are going to nourish all of your senses and can be integrated across everything else that you do. Some examples are listening to soothing music, walking barefoot in the grass, having scented candles or some form of scented thing that makes you feel relaxed, looking at aesthetically pleasing things like art, and eating and savoring food that you love. I have a book called How to Be Happy or at Least Less Sad. And I can't remember the author at the moment, but I love it. And it's a little workbook. And one of the activities in there is taking a piece of chocolate and allowing it to melt in your mouth and taking time to pay attention to what is that like? Because as you let the chocolate melt in your mouth, it actually tastes different. It activates different taste buds and you can smell it and it smells different. I don't think I've ever held a piece of chocolate in my mouth for that long in my entire life. Well, I know, Ben, because you have this immediate gratification aspect, but I challenge you to try it sometime. Mm, I don't want to try it. Okay, then don't. Well, you can try it and eat like multiple pieces of chocolate. Mm, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I know how to work the angle. Fair enough. Eating and savoring food and... It's interesting you can combine that a little bit with almost a meditation aspect and it weirds people out. You can do it as a social experiment. Prior to COVID, I had gone up to Moe's near the office and 
I forgot my phone, which is, you know, surprising for a millennial. And I got there and it was sunny outside. So I got my burrito and I was sitting outside and I just closed my eyes while I was eating and amazingly still managed to make it into my mouth. I was very proud of myself. And I listened to the birds and I listened to people talking nearby and walking past and I felt the sun on my skin and I just took a moment and really experienced what it was like to just sit there and eat my food undistracted. To eat a burrito. And that's actually a mindfulness exercise. Right. When I had my eyes open, people stared at me all sorts of weird ways because they were like, what is this person doing sitting here with no phone out eating their food? So that was an interesting... Who gave her this burrito? Right. That was just an interesting thing to note while I was sitting there, greatly enjoying my food. So yeah, that's the type of self-care you got. All right. Six types of self-care. Physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, and sensory. That's a lot of types of self-care and a lot of different ways that you can uh, express that self-care. So are these things that you should be doing all the time every day? I don't feel like I would have time to do anything else if I were doing these all every day. What are some ways to be mindful about making sure that you engage in these things? Know and understand that these don't have to be huge, complex things. There is a myth out there that self-care is taking a bubble bath and taking an entire day to yourself, but that doesn't have to be true. I mean, that's great. Do that if you can. But self-care can be as simple as choosing to savor your cup of coffee in the morning instead of drinking it while running out the door to work. And I mean, that takes changing your schedule a little bit. So you do have to find a way to create that time. I'll have to get up five minutes earlier so that I can savor my coffee instead of gulping it down on my way from the kitchen to my office room in quarantine. (laughs) You might find that it really enhances your life to take that five minutes or to not watch TV while you're eating your dinner. What? Blasphemy. We do lots of self-care ritually every day. Many people brush their teeth two or three times a day and they don't seem to have a problem with that. Ben and I both raise our eyebrows at the concept three of three a times a day. Good, sir. Do you brush your teeth three times a day? Is there something you need to confess to us? I have friends who are dentists. And yes, if I, if I have a lunch that is highly spicy or very aromatic, before I go into an office with other people for the rest of the afternoon, I might brush my teeth just to be courteous to them. Well, that's not really self-care then, is it? Well, but, it, you know, my dentist tells me that I really should brush after every meal. And if I did good self-care, I would. Well, so not inherently. Self-care is not always meeting the expectations of others. It is figuring out what works for you. What are you comfortable doing? And how do you make this a daily practice? And yes, some forms of self-care really should be a daily practice. Taking time to take a couple of deep breaths before you go into a meeting, that's self-care. Stretching. So I do this every hour because session ends and I get up and I stretch and then I go to the next session. But finding some form of routine where you get up during the day and move your body, that's self-care. Challenging the social narrative that self-care needs to be this big elaborate process and 
allowing yourself to narrow it down to small things often for yourself and being attentive to things that bring you joy. So if red leaves bring you joy, bring some inside and put them places. If there's a certain passage from a book or the Bible or whatever you feel drawn to, write it and put it somewhere that you see frequently, typically a mirror for when you brush your teeth. And these are all ways to cultivate an ongoing habit of self-care. That makes sense to me. This week, we kicked off a new mini-series about our relationship with ourselves, or your relationship with yourself, or self-relationships. You get it. We talked about the difference between being selfish and taking care of yourself, and we covered six types of self-care, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, and sensory. And finally, we discussed making self-care a ritual or something that you do regularly and often to make sure that you're doing a good job of, you guessed it, taking care of yourself. Thanks for joining us this week and every week on The Relationship Road Trip. If you like this episode, let us know by giving us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have any questions about the relationships in your life, shoot us an email at questions at afpsych.com. Until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.